Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Ever wonder what coaches are really saying during their press conferences? Well, Ben Criddle is here to break it all down in a reading between the lines segment. Ben breaks down the latest sound from BYU coaches and players right now on Cougar Sports. Welcome back, Cougar Sports, ESPN 960. This is Cougar Country. I'm Ben Criddle, broadcasting live from Chubby's Cafe, chubbyscafeut.com, the Payson location. This is Gurney's favorite location because he just got to eat a Chubby's uh, cheesesteak with beer-battered fries, and he washed it down with a, um, what was it? It wasn't Fanta. It was no, sun I had kiss. the sun kiss. Had the sun kiss. I like so. an orange soda. Yeah, 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 yeah. Big Al got himself, uh, was it a double cheese? Double cheese is what he went with. Beer-battered fries as well? Of course. You can't go wrong with the beer batter friends. And he got his free scones as well from ESPN 960. Gurney, you didn't pick up any scones. You're not a scone guy? I, I, I get so full after you. <laughs> get so full. I just, I, maybe I'll get the scones after. Yeah, there you go. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, Gurney, we, we asked the poll of the day. This was last week, I believe. Uh, what's your favorite, um, what's your favorite uh, I guess, side dish? Is it the beer-battered fries or is it the scones? And it was like a 50-50 heated battle. I mean, I think we got somewhere around 800 votes yeah. on that poll. And it was it was 50-50. It was almost as good as my Who Do You Trust More politically poll, Mitt Romney or Donald Trump during COVID. That, yeah. one, was, that one took the cake. But this one was good. Very good. Very you're proud so, of that poll. You're so proud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. It's time to read between the lines. But we're live from Chubby's. Chubby's Cafe in Payson. Stomp in, say hello. Mention ESPN 960. You get free scones with your meal. I'll read in between the lines segment with Aaron Roderick, your offensive coordinator. Why are we so bad on fourth down is what I want to ask. I don't know if he was actually asked this question, um, but I think Kalani's talked about it with, like, you know, some of the metric decisions, etc. But uh, anyway, this segment going to be brought to you by our good friends at Dental Pros of Utah, dentalprosofutah.com. If you're uh, if you've been told you need a filling, crown, root canal, then get a second opinion at Dental Pros of Utah and American Fork. They utilize the best biomimetic techniques in the business. Uh, these are minimally invasive techniques to rebuild your teeth layer by layer so you don't have to settle for fake teeth later on in life. I know no one likes crowns and root canals. You can save money and your teeth in the long run at Dental Pros of Utah, Dental Pros of Utah. Com. All right, Aaron Roderick, getting into the questions from earlier this week. What are your thoughts as you get ready to face Boise State this week? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, good defense. <laughs> Very good defense. They don't have a lot of weaknesses. Um, they're statistically they're you know top ten, top five, and everything. Um, they're long and athletic and very good at what they do. Long, athletic, and very good at what they do. Uh, how are you preparing for the possibility of playing in bad weather? It's going to be cold. You know, this, I mean, most both teams have to play in it, and uh, you know we're not like uh, you know. Uh, Bad weather isn't something that's new to us. Uh, the game against Boise last year, we had some bad weather, um, and so we're you know we're just preparing for the worst you know weather-wise. And then if it's better than that, then that'll be great. It's going to be bad. Last time we played in bad weather, BYU was had a had a uh, a case of the fumbleitis. Oh yeah, a fumbleitis. Oh wow, wow. you had to bring up that game. Wasn't that bad? That Wasn't was that, terrible. It was so terrible. Like if, like if you look at any loss last year, the three losses, right? Baylor, you were just outmatched, right? It's okay, you know, man to man, they dominated. It's like Big Al versus me in the trenches. Big Al's gonna win, right? Yeah. Big Al's gonna beat me. Um, that's what it was like, you know, Big Al versus Ben in the trenches. And so you take that loss, but the Boise State game, we were just like. We're just going to give you the. We're just going to give you the game. We're going to give you the win here. We're just going to fumble. Big Al's We're going to muff it. Big Al's a genuine two-gapping defensive lineman. You think so? Yeah. Or you think he's more of like a center? He's kind of like he's he's that smart guy that has to like call the. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a center. Yeah, I knew he was. He's a smart man. And D lineman, they're a little bit. They're not as smart. They're not, <laughs> Big Al's a smart guy. <laughs> he's like he's just a sacrificial two-gapping. Dummy. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> wow. Uh, hey, they, 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 I'm not saying that that's what uh, they are always. I'm saying these are stereotypes. Yeah. But generalizations, they call them generalizations for a reason. Uh, they, they are general, but uh, yeah, more often than not, they're right. Anyway, um, going back to Aaron Roderick, last time BYU played at Boise, Kate Fennigan took over at quarterback for the Broncos. What do you see from him uh, then that made you pursue him when he entered the transfer portal? Well, I, I liked him in high school, first of all. I already knew who he was in high school and liked, liked him a lot. I thought he was a good player. And then at that game, I just thought he competed really hard. He came in uh, to the game in a pretty tough circumstance. We were up, and and um, they had you know some injuries. And he, he was the third quarterback, I believe. So I don't, I don't think he got any reps that week. Or he's told me before he didn't get any real practice reps. And um, I just like that he competed hard and showed some athleticism, and um, so I. But it, my, I liked him dating back to when he was in high school. So he liked him in in high school. Didn't recruit him though. Didn't didn't uh, offer him. You have to wonder what did he see in that Boise State game in two thousand and uh, was it two thousand and twenty? Right, two thousand twenty. That led him to believe, hey, we need to bring him into BYU. Because Cade looked good on a few of those throws late in the game, if I if I recall correctly. Yeah, I I like I've I liked the prospects of Cade Finnegan since he arrived. The the backup quarterback situation at BYU is still really confounding to me. I, I don't understand what's going on there. You have Cade Finnegan who, who has good playing time, right? But uh, Jacob Conover 
supposedly beat him out, but he's, he'll use any excuse not to put Jacob Conner on the field. It's yeah. really bizarre what's going on there. I, Do you think, <clears throat> hot take, do you think we see Jacob Conover versus Utah Tech? Uh, yes. <laughs> do you? Oh, I hope so. <laughs> do you? Are you kidding? You know? Do you remember we're talking about when, I think it was a topic, when will Jacob Conover enter the game against Wyoming? Yeah. Remember discussing that? Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah not so much. <laughs> didn't didn't get to see it. And, and Aaron stated as much that he's like, we haven't never been in a position to put our backup in. That's what he said about Jacob Conover. I was oh, like, I oh, man. That's not true. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Aaron Roderick, offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach for BYU. How do you use analytics when it comes to your play calling? Uh, I mean, we've we've been all in on it for several years now, and it's been a huge part of our winning formula. I mean, we we followed the book uh, pretty religiously for uh, the, most of the last three years. You know, for two seasons, it worked out really well for us. This year, we haven't had as much success with you know playing those numbers, um, but. I don't think it's necessarily due to the analytics. I think it's just more about our execution as a team, you know, just playing team football. And there's a lot that goes into it. It's, uh, But, you know, I think, you know, one of the issues we've had this year is we're, we've been in a lot of long yardage situations. And so where in the past we were trying to play for a fourth and short, fourth and medium situation, um, this year we've been in a lot of fourth and eights, fourth and nines. And, you know, that's a gut punch. It doesn't feel great when you're going off the field after fourth and eight. Uh, but we've also been in some situations where we had to do it to stay in the game. You know, that's, that's the other thing. Just, there's been a lot of those this year. It's been a, it's been a strange year, and um, we'll, we'll keep working through it and keep communicating as a staff about how we're going to, you know, proceed with that. I, I think BYU fans are willing to forgive a fourth and seven, fourth and eight, fourth and nine, um, you know, non-conversion, right? Are you in a court here like they may be behind, they're trying to gain momentum, they don't trust their kicker, they don't trust their, their defense. Like these are all decisions that are made prior to the game as well because they don't trust either their defense or they don't trust their, their place kicker which there is valid concern and valid reasons for not trusting your defense and your place kicker. Yeah. Right? That, that's, that, that, it's not that you don't trust your punter, okay? It's, they trust Ryan Rico. They do not trust or have not trusted their defense and their uh, place kicker. That's what it comes down to. When you're going for it on fourth and seven, fourth and five, fourth and nine, that reeks of... Of, of, of stinky defense and stinky place kicking. Yeah, you have to weigh your options. Is the better option trotting out a, a kicker that's suppo- seemingly lost all his confidence? No. No, you still have a, a fighting chance, and that's your best unit by far. So, so yeah, uh, let them do what they do. Yep. How deep into the analytics do you go, and how do you balance it with your coaching intuition, Aaron Roderick? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, and, and I, we did this at Utah, too, and I know they're still doing it. I mean, there's most, in fact, most teams in college football doing this. This is not, it, there, there, are, there are less teams that are, most teams are following a similar book to what we're doing now. It's, this is not new. Um, but, yeah, on first down, if you know, you know, at, at a certain point that you'd be going for it on fourth, it can affect your play calls on first and second down. And as I said, uh, and it definitely affects your call on third down. You know, and so, um, you know, when Tyler was here, there was a bunch of times where we might catch the other team off guard running the football on third and long, and Tyler would get us first down. And, 
you know, there, there's been situations like that, or you, or maybe you take a shot down the field on a on a third down, knowing that you've got two downs to work with. Uh, there's a lot of different things to it, and uh, like I said, this year hasn't gone as smoothly as it had in the past, and but nothing has this year. You know, it's it's been a tough year. It's impossible to explain it all in this interview, but there's a lot that goes into it, and. Uh, uh, you know, like I said, almost every team in the NFL and almost almost every team in college football are doing something similar right now. Man, extend the interview. I want to hear that. I know, right? I want to hear that. I want to see more of that. Yeah. yeah. What, what, give me your overall takes from Aaron Roderick this week in media availability. Well, yeah, it's the same A Rod. He's he's very forthcoming, very very forthright, and all that. But he's got to be frustrated. With Lack of production he's seen from his offensive unit to close out games. The defense gave the offense the opportunity. How many times have we said that this year? Defense absolutely gave the offense the opportunity. We did our job. Now you do yours. Yeah. Like maybe for the only time this entire year, and the offense couldn't get it done. We just watched uh, uh, the, the, the play that did him in where Mason Wake dropped that yeah. pass. And, yeah, I mean, your players got to make plays. I mean, I love the implementation, personally, of Mason Wake into the offensive game plan. I think he's a unique player. I think he's a great blocker. I think he in, he instills physicality along that front, and you watch him uh, just typically at least win his block. And and sometimes you see him dominate his block. And he's me. a good pass-catching fullback tight end. Like, And he, he, he typically gets yak, whether it's through contact or over contact, right? The, he has gained a little bit of weight. Any advantage to the weight gain? I'd say power, right? The old Chris Farley skit with uh, with uh, Nancy Kerrigan. Um, for those Saturday Night Livers that uh, like the, the glory days of Saturday Night Live, yeah, there is power in him. Um, and he's still good. I was disappointed he dropped that football. We need guys like Mason to step up in those critical third and fourth down situations. And unfortunately, it didn't happen. you got to be prepared. If you're not prepared, you, you're not going to be able to execute. And maybe he just wasn't prepared enough mentally, physically, to make that play. But Aaron Roderick should not be criticized for calling a good play call and his player not freaking catching a slip arrow route. Yeah. That was not a difficult ball. It was like, Okay, it was a little bit like low at his waist. I mean, you saw the disappointment on Mason Wake's Oh, yeah, he's going to make that play almost every time. I mean, he was angry. And, and I agree with you. Mason Wake needs to be utilized. I like Mason Especially in those short yardage situations. No, and I'm not trying to take anything with it, Ray, from Ethan Erickson. I think he's going to be a really good tight end for BYU, and he's got a few looks. To me, you're a better football team if you go 12 personnel with Mason because I, I still think he's a better blocker. And I, I think that um, I think he's more shifty. I know this is this may sound ridiculous. I think he's shiftier than Ethan Erickson after the catch. I think he's more likely to, to make a guy miss or pummel through them or jump over them than Ethan. Ethan's young. He's a talented and athletic tight end. Uh, I would like to see Mason continue because continue to be that second fullback or second tight end because you're going to need to run the football to keep Boise State's offense off the field too. And I like the physicality that I saw up front. I saw Jaron Hall running as well. You have to. It begs the question: Do you need 75 rushing yards from Jaron Hall in order to win football games in these last three games? And I would say the lack of quarterback run game in college football, with the strength of schedule being 35th in the country, is a huge issue. It's a huge issue. 
Because in high school and college football, quarterback run game is one of the most difficult things to account for. It's probably the single most difficult thing to account for when you have an athletic running or athletic quarterback that extends plays, can scramble, can pick up first downs on third and five when you drop eight or whatever, and you don't have a spy or you beat the spy. Like, it is so underrated sometimes. And unfortunately, due to the injury issues that Jaron has experienced, I think Aaron Roderick, and maybe not trusting his backups, as we, we haven't seen them yet, we haven't seen anybody yet, not even before Notre Dame, or not even, uh, you know, versus Notre Dame, um, you, you know there's something there. And I understand what Aaron's done, and I understand how Jaron has played, but we, we might have to throw in the kitchen sink and just say, say la vie, um, we have to run the quarterback. I, I would have done it versus Notre Dame. I would have went QB lead, even with a bum shoulder with uh, – with uh with jared but what i would have done is had him run right keeping hopefully his right shoulder free if he needs to lean in with the left one because he just don't want to go with uh that 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 hurt shoulder into the pile pile so any any thoughts any commentary on that any follow-up g-man well no i think when he came to light to me just how much a running quarterback can wreak havoc on the defense i look back when i went to the university of Utah, i had a class with jason kafusi mm-hmm. and this was back in the brandon doman days and i used to talk to him like i'll bet luke staley drives you nuts he goes nah luke staley's i mean he's good but brandon doman oh my gosh the way he extends plays i mean yeah. it's so hard it is so hard to account for that yep. because you can do everything right and and you have that quarterback factor that you just can't account for when everything yep. else is going right, and, and he just blows everything up, and he wears you out. You have to chase him around all the time. Yep. Yeah, it's very, very effective. And that, that, that was kind of my first inkling to just how effective it is. Yeah, it's, uh, it's imperative, man. For BYU to beat Boise State, for BYU to beat Stanford, I believe that Jared Hall needs to be more involved in the run game, period. And even extending plays, like one thing that I'll say, like who are the most dynamic offensive players on BYU? It goes Puka Nakua, number one. Who's number two? Maybe it was Cody. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But who's number two, would you say? Oh, wow, that's a good question. Who's the, the I, second? Isaac Rex. Is he the most dynamic? No. no that's going to make plays dynamic. in space? Is it Chris Brooks? Is it Miles Davis? Man, I'm stoned. It's Jaron Hall. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't considering a position It's it's Jaron Hall, though. (laughs) It's Jaron Hall. Yeah, you're right. And so I do think there are some missed opportunities. Like, if you go back and watch guys like, I'm not saying this is who Jaron should be in character, but you go back and watch Johnny Manziel. Okay? You go back and watch certain quarterbacks. Even You want to go Russell Wilson. You want to go Kyler Murray. Whoever you want to pick. They will reverse field, okay? They may be rolling left against the grain. They feel the pressure. Like, I don't like what I see in front of me. They plant with that right foot. They got big old hands, and, and Jaron does. He's got, he can control that pigskin quite well. Boom, and he's fast enough to reverse field, keep eyes downfield. Now he's rolling left, right? He's rolling left and keeping eyes down. Remember, you know, John Beck throwing across the box. I'm not saying throw across the tackle box. I'm just saying if you got the arm, if you got the tools, then use them. Okay? And you may be able to find something when plaster rules sit it set in and, and find an opening within the defense. Or you're conditioned and athletic enough to extend it and you know, pick up five yards, pick up seven, eight yards, right? Um, there's been a few times where 
I, I think that Jaron had that opportunity. And there is a time, there's a clock going off, and hey, I got to get rid of him. I'm going to get hit. But you can also be shifty and quick and elusive and use that God-given athleticism to win the game for your team. And right now, if you're not going to give the ball to Puka in those critical situations, or you're not going to, you know, let Jaron do something with the football, who do you go to? Who do you go to right now to make a play for you? Maybe that was Cody Epps. Is it Miles Davis? He's still young. He's, he, 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 I don't know if he can take on that burden. But Jaron and Puka need to be able to. And everyone else lifts where they stand, too. But sometimes your NFL quarterback needs to go out and win games for you. Uh, <laughs> final thought. Uh, everyone's wondering where, Hema, uh, excuse me, where, uh, uh, not Hema Hemuli. Houston Hemuli. Houston Hemuli. Hema's like, guess how many of those fourth down situations involve any kind of heavy formations? When we're at BYU's now, this was October 28th at the time. Now BYU was 5 for 20 on fourth down conversions on the season and 2 for their last 17. And not one of them. We haven't seen Houston Hamuli in any power run, you know. Shoot, should we, should, we, should we be in 13 personnel in order to pick up a fourth and one? Is that, is that not... Is that, a, is that part of the, the package? 13 personnel. Wow. You know, one back, three tight ends. Houston, Mason, Isaac. No? Or do you go like a true heavy set and bring in an additional tackle or guard? You know, if you, if you got Harris Lachance at right guard and, and Kingsley Suamatiyi at right tackle, do you bring in um, Joe Tukuafu? How about 32 personnel? <laughs> okay. All right. Now we're getting out of here. All right, we're at Chubby's Cafe, chubbyscafeut.com. Stop in, say hello. We're at the Pacer location. Mention ESPN 968 at any of the Chubby's locations to get free scones, baby. That's right, free scones uh, for one and all that are BYU and Cougar sports listeners. Uh, Brandon C. Gurney by my side. That's uh, Keeping Up with the Cougars in a Reading Between the Lines segment, always brought to you by Dental Pros of Utah, dentalprosofutah.com. If uh, you are, uh, if you've been told you need a filling, crown, root canal, get a second opinion at Dental Pros of Utah in American Fork. They utilize the biomimetic techniques. These are minimally invasive techniques to rebuild your teeth layer by layer, so you don't have to settle for fake teeth later on in life. Kevlar fibers is what they use to bulletproof your mouth, so you don't have to settle for those fake teeth later on in life. We'll go to break. Coming up next, uh, we're going to get to know this BYU basketball team. The projections. Ken Pop's going to join us next. What is his win-loss projection for this BYU basketball team and why? Okay, Delving into the metrics of Ken Pop. This is Cougar Sports on ESPN 960. The madness of March is right around the corner and the Cougars are in the middle of it. It's time to talk some college basketball on Cougar Sports with Ben Crippen. Yeah, buddy. Welcome back, Cougar Sports ESPN 960. This is Cougar Country. I'm Ben Crittle, broadcasting live from Chubby's Cafe, chubbyscafeut.com. Uh, Chubby's Cafe is a fantastic place to eat family food. You know, it's a, it's a family atmosphere, family-owned and operated, and that's why I love Chubby so much because it is truly a family atmosphere established in 2010. Pleasant Grove, Utah, locally owned and operated. It's what I'm about. Utah County staple now is what it is. Uh, homegrown flavors. Laid-back atmosphere. we got flat screens, too, if you want to watch some sports and Cougar sports, friendly customer service, and uh, the fast, ca- casual dining experience is awesome for you. American Dining with a slight southern twist. If you mention ESPN 960, you get uh, free scones 
with your meal. Check out all seven locations, Pleasant Grove Vineyard, Saratoga Springs, Tooele, Payson, Riverton, and Orem. All right, it is time to talk some BYU basketball. I am uh, very interested as to see uh, just how good this BYU basketball team is going to be this season. So uh, let's get to know this BYU basketball team through the eyes of the man of the metrics, Ken Palm, KenPalm.com. Ken Pomeroy is on the line. What's up, Ken? How you doing? I'm doing great, Ben. Looking forward to uh start of the season here. Yes, I am too. I, I'm excited. I, I've got to get to your projections on this BYU basketball team, but let's first uh, start out. Have you been able to get eyes on this BYU basketball team yet? I don't know if you were able to watch the exhibition or the blue-white scrimmage. You are local, but I don't know how local you want to get with exhibition games, etc. Yeah, I'm not hunkered down watching exhibition games for 40 minutes. I caught a little bit of the game uh, against Ottawa, but, uh, you know... The- there's, not, there's only so much you can get from that. I mean, you're you're basically getting rotations. You know, you're beyond that, you're uh, really taking a leap of faith because obviously the competition was uh, not exactly stellar. No, it was not. Uh, but last year, I remember the exhibition game was really bad. BYU coming away, yes, with a double t- double digit victory, but. Uh, Colorado Christian, I think, <clears throat> gave him a little bit of the business early on in that game. This last uh, exhibition looked a little bit better, but um, BYU has a lot of new faces on their roster. So h- how do you uh, take a look at this roster with return missionaries and a bunch of transfers? Some of them are proven, some of them maybe are not proven, and that's Noah Waterman and Jackson Robinson, and say, hey, this is what the projected win-loss record will be for this team. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say it's a it's a complete guess because I think you know history would show that uh, you know BYU is going to be you know near the top of the WCC. We can take that thing for granted, um, and obviously they do return some guys from last year, so we we kind of understand that the talent level is, is good. But you know, there are I think a lot of possibilities of how this season could play out. It does seem to me like it's a little bit of a different BYU team than we're used to talking about, where. You know, personally, I feel more confident uh, on the defensive side of the ball than I do on the offense. Um, you know, with Foose and then Ali Atiki as kind of a, a tandem down low, I mean, you know, you're always going to have some pretty solid rim protection on the floor and some activity um, in the paint. So, um, so that's a plus, certainly. And, you know, Gideon George obviously can make an impact defensively, and they do have some length in the backcourt. So, um, so I think defensively, they should be pretty solid. The question marks are going to be more on the offensive end. You know, do they have enough perimeter shooting to, uh, you know, space the offense well? And if they do, like, it could be a really fun year. And if they don't, it's going to be you know, a little bit of a grind. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting. What do you like about this team? Um, you know, is there anything that jumps out to you that uh, that is uh, maybe making you optimistic that this team could make a strong run and even improve on their performance from last year? Yeah, I just think, you know, changing up the lineup a little bit, um, you know, makes them more interesting things. Obviously, the way the season ended last year, you know, things felt a little bit stale. There was just really too much responsibility put on Alex Barcelo. You know, expectations were really high for him, and he just wasn't the type of player to, uh, you know, dominate an offense, I guess, in terms of, like, you know, taking shots and things like that. Um, You know, there's a little bit more of an opportunity this year. I think, you know, the way the expectations are, there's no, like, focus on any particular player. So... Um, there will be opportunities for, for players to, to step up and, and surprise. And I think that's kind of the intriguing part of this team, you know. Who will do that? Obviously, you know, in the exhibition, uh, they shot lights out. And uh, and guys did step up. And guys like Jackson Robinson in particular, who's 
you know, one of those wild cards we're talking about. I mean, he's, he was known as a shooter at Arkansas, never really got on the court a whole lot. And when he did, he didn't make a lot of shots. But, you know, if he could sort of fulfill his reputation as he did in the exhibition, uh, you know, things, again, as I said, things can get pretty interesting. So, so I think that's how I see the team. You know, it's like a lot of wild cards on the team. You know, I think the talent level is, is certainly good enough to compete for an NCAA tournament bid, uh, compete for that, you know, second place spot in the, in the WCC. Um, and, you know, there's, there's some significant upside there. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. This uh, this Mark Pope era started off really hot. That 2020 squad uh, through through uh, you know through that 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 season was. I think you mentioned on our show that they were playing at like a Final Four level when they when they entered into what would be kind of that uh, that tournament potential run. Um, and since then, there's been a slight drop-off. Kind of give us your perspective on how Mark Pope teams have performed in his three years. Yeah, that was, a, that was a good summary. I mean, unfortunately, you know, the pandemic robbed us of uh, who knows what in the tournament. You know, BYU, though, was, was one of those teams that was uh, kind of becoming a, a darling nationally in terms of uh, maybe making a deep run that year. And uh, I think the follow-up to that, was pretty solid you know it was right you know maybe not quite on that level down the stretch but still a really good year and then last year you know through you know eight to ten games or so uh things seemed to be headed on that path again and then things kind of fell apart i think part of that in fairness was you know they they pummeled oregon early in the season and people thought oregon was a top 25 team and as it turned out yeah. you know they were not a very good team and uh and that so that was a, a little bit deceiving um but but yeah, I mean, there's there's clearly questions, and I think this, this year is obviously crucial because you know as you head to the Big Twelve, um, you know if you have the kind of year you did last year in the Big Twelve, you know you're not you're not going nine and six in the conference as they did. You know you're you're going six and twelve or something like that. So um, so you know it'll be interesting to see because obviously obviously you know the talent is this is not top level talent maybe that they had two years ago, but but it's still good talent and. Uh, It'll be a great test for, you know, really get a, get a good judgment on Mark Pope. I think he's a, you know, really good coach, and, and it's a great fit at BYU. But, um, you, know, you know, if he can get this team back to the tournament, I think that'll give the fan base maybe a little more comfort that, you know, when they do start recruiting at closer to a Big 12 level, that really good things will happen. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how often you delve into the recruiting rankings, Ken, but uh, how much of a bump in recruiting do you think we'll see when BYU enters the Big 12? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't like. I don't dive into it too much. You know, certainly year round. I mean, when I'm getting yeah. ready for the season is more when I uh, kind of notice what players have gone where and what transfers have gone where. But um, I mean, you'd think you know, you'd think it would be a more attractive program just getting to play the likes of you know Kansas and Baylor and, and Houston and um, you know some of the best teams in, in college basketball. I mean, that's um, you know definitely a step up from playing Santa Clara and Pepperdine. Like, obviously you get Gonzaga and St. Mary's in for, for one game a year, but um, you just don't get, you know, you get maybe, you know, one or two, like, really high-profile national TV games a year, and often they're late at night, so so you'd think, you know, it'd be a little bit easier to sell, but, um, but despite the fact that it's easier to sell, obviously the level of competition is also much, much higher, and, uh, and so, you, you know, you're going to have to meet that challenge. Like, like I said, you know, um, years like last year will be punished severely 
in the Big 12. Like, you know, if you're the if you're the 40th best team in the country, which is roughly where I have BYU projected into this season, you know, you're probably about a 500 team in the Big 12. Um, so you're just you're being 40th. It just kind of allows you to uh, to stay afloat in that league. In the Big 12, uh, I mean, you have to wonder what t- what type of record that that you'll have to pull in order to. Uh, get an NCAA bid. What does that look like year over year? Like the last few years, how many Big Twelve teams have made it to the NCAA tournament, and what's that 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 lowest common denominator that that low uh, the, that low bar in order to get in? Yeah, you know, you don't. I mean, you can be sub five hundred. Obviously, the Big Twelve is you know over the last six seven years collectively has been the best conference in college basketball, and um, that will not change, <laughs> you know, see why you joins. I mean, they, you know, when you add a, a Houston or Cincinnati like that, that obviously is going to uh, up cushion the blow of, uh, you know, eventually losing Texas and Oklahoma. So, um, so you know, you can go, you can go sub 500 in conference play and, and get in. I mean, last year, you know, you got in with a, you know, eight and 10 conference record. Um, so it's not um, super unusual, you know, and certainly going 500 almost guarantees you a spot. So, um so it'll, you know, it's going to be a, just a completely different feeling being in that league because right now, you know, BYU has to do a lot of heavy lifting in November and December because you just don't get kind of opportunities in conference play to uh, pad your resume. Uh, the beauty of the Big 12 is, you know, if you struggle in November and December, even in January, you know, you go on a winning streak in February, there are opportunities to jump right back into the tournament field. So, um so that's the good news, but you know there obviously will be more losses just because the, the level of competition is going to, uh, yeah, you know, increase dramatically. Ken Pomeroy on the line, Cougar Sports, ESPN nine sixty. What are, what do you think are some of the storylines heading into this NCAA basketball season? Well, I'm pretty excited because I don't think, to me, you know, if you look at the the best teams uh, in the country, like I don't think there's like. Uh, you know, an obvious hierarchy this year as maybe there has been for the last year or two. Uh, you know, we can talk about Gonzaga first, I guess, because they're a team that everybody's familiar with. But you know, they basically just got smoked in a in an exhibition against Tennessee, and uh, there's some serious question marks about them defensively. You know, no no Chet Holmgren, no real rim protector to kind of uh, hide Drew Timmy's uh, defensive liabilities, to put it kindly. So, um, so there's some, some interesting question marks. I think with them, they're still really good. Like I still, you know, feel confident saying they'll win the WCC, but they're just not like, uh, you know, on that dominant level they were at least in the regular season for the past, you know, four or five years. Um, so, you know, North Carolina is like kind of the popular number one choice, certainly in the AP poll. But, you know, they really only turned it on for the last, you know, six to eight games, six to ten games uh, of last season, um, and they bring most of their players back, but. Uh, it's a team that ranked 151st in the country in two-point offense. So you don't often see a team shoot that poorly on two-pointers and you know be the best team in the country. It is possible, but uh, but quite quite difficult. They really probably need to improve that to uh, you know to fulfill the, the number one expectations that they have. And, and so there's really you know there's probably like I don't know 10 to 15 teams. So it really wouldn't surprise me if at any time this year they ascended to like number one in the AP poll because there just is no like obvious team to uh, to pick from here early on. Ken Pomeroy here on ESPN 960. Ken, uh, for those uh, basketball aficionados, what's the, the best way to subscribe and, and, and get some of the, the advanced data that you provide on your website to, to make sense of it all, right? And, and what are the benefits of uh, subscribing to KenPom.com? 
Yeah, yeah. Just go to KenPalm.com and it's uh, about twenty bucks, nineteen ninety five for a twelve month subscription, uh, and you get you know all of the uh, quote unquote advanced stats for for every team and, and player in the country, and it's it's a lot of numbers, but I don't think it's like overly complicated. Uh, I think a person with a human with average intelligence can uh, can digest it, and certainly if you're looking to dive into the the BYU season or anybody that BYU plays, you can very quickly get uh, a nice snapshot on uh, what's working for for each team in, in college basketball. So you're really into the game. It makes you uh, a little bit of a smarter fan. And just kind of reiterating the final kind of uh, preseason prediction for this BYU Cougar basketball team. What do you have their win-losses right now? Just to kind of finish off the uh, the interview here, Ken. Yeah, absolutely. So um, preseason, uh, I have BYU at 44th in the country and projected record of uh, 22 and 7. Um, okay. That does not include uh, two extra games in the Bahamas, but uh, 22 and 7, 11 and 5 in league play. So, I mean, you can imagine, you know, compared to previous years, that's, you know, borderline, borderline tournament team. You know, obviously we're early and uh, I'd be surprised if those numbers hit exactly then. You know, <laughs> could be better, could be worse. I mean, as I said earlier, that's kind of the interesting part of this team. But I think there are a wide range of possibilities here, but, uh, but certainly, you know, tournament tournament team is uh, getting to the tournament is certainly a reasonable goal for this team. No doubt about it. Let's uh, let's hope and pray, Mark Pope. Um, you know, in, in that one year that uh, you felt like you could make a run, uh, COVID uh, was it was kind of uh, overtook that and, and canceled that 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 NCAA run, and then they got a really tough draw the next year versus UCLA. And UCLA was probably the, the hottest team in that NCAA tournament, if I recall correctly. And then, you know, last year was a disappointment, a um, little bit of underachieving. So uh, we'll see what happens this year. Uh, hopefully they can uh, rebuild with a lot of new faces, a lot of return missionaries, a lot of transfers. Ken Palm, Ken Pomeroy, uh, KenPalm.com. We appreciate you, man. Great stuff as always. All right, thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me on. Hey, appreciate you spending some time with us. That's Ken Pomeroy, KenPom.com. Subscribe today. All right, let's get into a What's Cooking with the Cougar segment, all the news and notes of the day, delving into all the the, uh, the data of the day, if you will. It's going to be brought to you by Fat Daddy's Pizzeria, FatDaddy'sPizzeria.com. If you're looking for 24-inch pies that uh, uh, will make you wide-eyed, then you're going to want to head on over to Fat Daddy's Pizzeria in Provo, 223 West Center Street. That's 223 West Center Street. If you mention ESPN 960 when you go into Fat Daddy's, you can get eight free garlic knots. That's right, eight free garlic knots at Fat Daddy's Pizzeria, fatdaddyspizzeria.com. New York City-style pizza. They got an arcade there, kind of a throwback feel if you like the 80s and 90s. Uh, it, it's uh, it's an ambiance uh, that you would feel at home. At, uh, and so check out Fat Daddy's Pizzeria. They support the Cougar football team, and uh, you should support fat daddies let them earn your business give them a shot give them a try i don't think you're going to be disappointed in what you're eating there uh for the what's cooking with or you know i guess yeah what's cooking with the cougar segment real quick bryce i do want to get through the mark pope and spencer johnson sound just to kind of start it off just because we're we're finishing off with some uh some basketball discussion with ken palm uh mark pope and spencer and Spencer Johnson addressed the media after their win over Ottawa, uh, a dominant victory in this exhibition game. They shot the ball well. Uh, what are the? But I thought defensively they looked good. So there, apparently there's a a dim number of defensive impact numbers. What are you guys tracking this season, and why? 
Um, his deflections, steals, charges, charges. What else? Blocks. Blocks. All right. Um, so we track it every day. It's huge. We we because uh, we're really pushing on this team to um, be disruptive on defense and um, you know. So obviously, really important tonight, and it's gonna be important every day because it's something we talked about. It's something that's reproducible. You know. You can work hard to earn shots for your teammates, but you know some nights shots go in, some nights shots don't go in. Or something that you can do every day is is uh, dim. Yeah. So uh, these defensive impact numbers, I love it. Uh, they, they're trying to create a more effort-based, tenacious defense. That's what you do. If you're looking at metrics like this, every single practice, every single game, you're going to grade out guys. You're going to see who's the most productive, and there's going to be competition. Uh, throughout the entire season. So I like that. Uh, they're going to need to be fantastic and fanatical defensively if they're going to get wins because they, they just don't have the big. So they gotta be, they got to use that length uh, on, on the defensive end. Uh, Gideon George and Jackson Robinson, even Spencer Johnson has some good length. Uh, got to be great defenders. Now, uh, what is that? Is that a number that is indicative of wins? Yeah, yeah, and so and actually we're collecting any points. This is a little bit of a new approach for us. So we'll have a, a, a more specific goal for ourselves, probably 10 games in the season. We're just tracking the data right now and trying to figure out where we can live and how we can live there and what's the cost of really being aggressive for dim numbers. How does it affect defensive field goal percentage? Because traditionally, the more disruptive you are, you end up uh, in terms of field goal percentage usually goes up defensively. We're trying to mitigate that. A steep rise in field goal percentage because we've been a great field goal percentage defensive team and we're also trying to mitigate fouls we're trying to see if we can you know if we can be a high dim number without having a huge foul so it's like a sliding scale with all three of those factors we're trying to work out the best way we can and Spence was ridiculous tonight I thought he was so good and it's, it's hard actually when a team is, is pushing the ball as fast as Ottawa was they did a tremendous job not just pushing the ball in transition but also cutting really really hard it can get you on your heels and you can kind of be always chasing and Spence was the one guy on our team that was never chasing he was just having a, on his toes the whole night it was great it's really impressive loved what I saw from Spencer Johnson I think uh, I, I, there was a few fans that feel like he's going to be the leader I, I would love that uh, he's he's put in a lot of work a couple last things from Mark Pope last night how important was it to set the tone defensively for the rest of the season in this exhibition game tonight yeah, well, you know, I, I just I love the data that we can gather, right? I mean, obviously, this is going to fe this feels a little bit different than when we get into non-conference games. It's going to feel different, right? We're going to face a lot of different challenges, but but um, as we've approached the season, we've tried to really kind of slide hyperbolic and trying to chase some of these concepts to really go full bore after them, and then. S just so we can learn as much as we can. I've been really proud of the guys because we had really six key points going to this game and these guys, like they were on it. Like they, they really were. Minus maybe the transition defense earlier were a little bit on our heels and we had some shell principles issues, those two things. But the other four, like our guys bought in. They're like, okay, you want us to thrust? We're going to thrust. And you want us to power play and make plays for our teammates? I can't tell you how many. Like it was really fun to watch this group because they turned down so many shots so many challenging shots to earn great, great shots for their teammate all night long. That, that was actually super special. And so um, we're kind of full bore pushing that, that way to gather as much information as we can. And then we're going to have to keep piecing this together as we, as we work through the season. Hey, 
There you go. That's uh, Mark Pope. A couple last things from Mark as we uh, wrap up the What's uh, Cooking with the Cougars segment. What do you think about the 19 turnovers your team had tonight? A negative thing. You know, the, the 19 turnovers, uh, the one thing about the turnovers that I, I was okay with was that a lot of those turnovers came with us trying to do what we're trying to learn how to do. So, um, you know, clearly we're not going to win any games if we have 19 turnovers, but, but, but we're in a massive growth place right now. And so as long as we're turning the ball over, trying to accomplish what we're trying to do, there's, there's those turnovers that are in the right direction, and then there's the turnovers that are just not, right? And I'd say at least half of these turnovers were turnovers that were in the right direction of us trying to figure out how to play the way we want to play. And so it's, it's, it's okay. We're, we're, we're learning. Like, whew, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to really be super patient. Spence? Spence, how many, do you have any turnovers? Uh... My memory's too short. I don't remember. <laughs> but, 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 you know, us being patient with this growing process is super important. There you go. That's Mark Pope. Uh, let's get in some football stats and information. Happy birthday to Matt Bushman. 27th birthday for Matt. I, I hope he has a long and illustrious uh, career in the NFL. One of BYU's best tight ends of the 21st century. Bushman caught 125 passes for 1,700 yards and nine touchdowns in three years with the Cougars. Started off the preseason quite well with the Kansas City Chiefs before getting injured. I think it was a clavicle injury, a shoulder injury. Uh, a couple other stats. Uh, BYU, this came from Greg Rebell. BYU's ball security has been exemplary over the last two seasons. Of 22 games played, BYU is given away, free, uh, given, give, is giveaway free in 13 of them. This season, BYU has had zero giveaways six times in nine games. Prior to 2021, you'd have to count back 57 games to find 13 giveaways, uh, giveaway free efforts. Uh, other news and notes, Aaron Roderick said third-string quarterback Cade Fennigan is out with a sprained ankle injury this week. Kalani Shitake said that, uh, that Chris Brooks is still doubtful. And uh, I, I, don't, I don't expect Chaz Ayu to be playing in this game either. He hurt his ankle. Uh, BYU passing game coordinator Fessy Satake said wide receiver Gunnar Romney has been practicing some this week but probably won't play Saturday against Boise State. Got to keep him, uh, I think, uh, shut down. I think until the bowl game uh, before you take a risk with him. BYU versus Boise State, though, November 5th at 5 p.m. Mountain Time at Albertson Stadium. The game will be televised on FS2. And so uh, make sure if you're not there in Boise that uh, you're watching on FS2. So, all right, there's some of the news and notes of the day. Appreciate everyone chiming in, tuning in today. And uh, make sure you download the podcast, support all of our sponsors. We've been live from Chubby's Cafe, chubbyscafeut.com. Stop in and mention ESPN 960 for free scones. From all of us here at ESPN 960, we wish you a very good night, a safe night. You've been listening to Cougar Sports.